All right, legends, welcome back to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. And I mean that this week, potentially more than others. What a time it truly is to be alive. My God, Alexander Volkanovsky is off the couch fighting for the lightweight strap in Abu Dhabi this weekend. I'm absolutely off my tree. 11 days notice, yeah? 11 days notice. I can't even wrap my stupid head around it. Vintage get around me moment last week as we just missed the news cycle uh, here at headquarters, aka my bedroom. But yeah, I don't know what it is, but crazy shit happens in this world as soon as I hit send on my podcast. Crazy shit that is relevant to the three or four topics I like to cover on this thing. Okay. I'm not talking about you know, I hit send on this bad boy and then some crazy shit happens in the Middle East. That's That stuff seems to have its own agenda. But I'm saying like I hit send on this podcast and like the Stewie McGill cocaine scandal will have a completely new twist in it all of a sudden. I, I, I just always miss the news cycle by like 10 minutes as soon as I hit send on the pod. I swear one day I'm going to record a podcast just talking about whatever and then hit send, and later that day, I will be made Prime Minister of this country. That's just how it works. And then the next day, the next morning, Get Around Me will come out, and the podcast will just be about, like, me going to the shops and getting a barn me or something. You know, I'm like, oh, this barn me was a little drier than I was hoping for. And everyone's like, why aren't you talking about the fact you were just made Prime Minister out of nowhere? You didn't even run. What, did the Russians hack the election? Are you a sleeper agent? Address it, okay? Address it. So, that's what's happened. We've missed the news cycle, as we always do. And we'll be making up for it in spades today. Because I can't believe it. I saw, well, it came out, Alexander Volkanovsky is coming off the couch last Wednesday. Then I saw Camp Cope's final ever gig on Friday. I am just inspired by my fellow Australians at the moment. I'm walking around, just just looking around going, wow. I, I look like, I, I honestly, it's like hanging out with Owen Wilson at the moment, knocking around with Billy Darcy. I'll just look off into the distance and just go, wow. Anything is possible, dude. Anything is possible. So I'm absolutely fired up. Talking some UFC later. Talking Camp Cope with Rowan later. God. I'll be in tears the whole time, all right? 70% of this podcast, hold on, brother, because I'm crying right now. I'm way too I'm way too emotional, fired up. I miss my ex-girlfriend. I'm not sure, dude. I'm feeling a lot of things right now, guys. I'm feeling a lot of things. But it's a fantastic episode coming your way, and I'll be making up for just missing the news of the week last week. So... Play it on. Uh, off the rip, guys, I've also finally got into this Beckham doco, another thing I was pretty late on. I've only seen the first episode, okay, so put your guns down. I've got a lot of messages from blokes saying, you got to talk about this Beckham thing, and here we are. So, David Beckham and this doco, God, they've just nailed sports docos these days. It's like, 
And even the ones that they haven't nailed, I feel like the people are so interesting. Like the Beckham doco is unbelievable. But it's also just so sick just to see how he lives and how he lives now. Like even just a look at his life without any real narrative or or banter or anything is just in and of itself so interesting. This guy's like the top 1%. Like first scene, he's made, he's harvesting honey on his own property. And even through the bee suit where you can't really see anything, it's just, you're just like, oh my God, he's stunning. He's absolutely stunning and so likable. I've never really engaged with Bex apart from like watching highlights of his free kicks on YouTube. Never really heard him speak, to be honest. And it is an absolute pleasure. Can I just say that first and foremost? When he's got the honey and he's like, dude, how good's this? I'm like, it is pretty good, Bex. It is pretty good. And you just can't even wrap your head around this guy's life. Like he got signed to Manchester United at 13. This guy never even really had an opportunity to feel uncertainty. You know, everyone's in high school in year 10, 15, 16 going, what are we going to do with our lives? Oh God, I think I'm going to end up going into real estate like my dad. I'm having negative thoughts. Bex is like, yeah, don't worry about it, lads. I've, I've been signed to United for three years, yeah? Fucking Alex Ferguson knows my name. We're boys. Like, that's just... I can't wrap my head around this guy's life. It's unbelievable. It's, and then he goes on to not only become the sickest player, but also the hottest player. That's a combination you rarely see. I mean, Eric Cantona's in the doco. He was an unbelievable player, one of the most spectacular of all time. I tell you what wasn't spectacular, his hairline, okay? Very rarely does God give with one hand and then also give with the other. You know, the saying is God, God opens a door after he's closed a window. With Bex, it just appears like God's like just, just sliced the roof off the house completely. Just go on fucking go nuts, Bex. Anything you want, brother. Like David Beckham, he's got to have maybe top five lives that anyone's lived over the last 25 years. I'd put his life up against anyone. And he's already like, it's interesting because you're constantly going between him at what, 45 or whatever he is. And then going back to when he's like 20, 21, 22, 23. And I was constantly blown away at how stunning he was when he was young, but also when he's old and in different ways. I can't get over how good looking this man is. Like everything makes sense when you see, when you just look at him. It's like, dear God, dude. Do you know what I mean? I'm straight allegedly, but you watch this doco in 4K, even on my telly. You will be asking yourself some really hard-hitting questions because, my God, dude, it's unbelievable. And he's all tatted up and when he's like 45. And it's the sort of tats where you go, I don't think this guy's hard as fuck, but, but also if he flogged me, I could see it. Do you know what I mean? There's a weird vibe on with Bex and it is absolutely tantalizing. So, And the guy's just the craziest bloke ever. Like He would get his 40K salary and spend it by like Wednesday the following week. And then he'd have to wait around two days for his next 40K. How funny is that? Like these young blokes, it's just, it's just absolute bants, isn't it? Imagine you're at the pub with Bex going, fucking hell boys, stinging for the next pay, yeah? And Bex is like, oh mate, tell me about it. 
that 40k just doesn't stretch. <laughs> His mate's like an apprentice plumber going, mate, honestly, it is becoming quite difficult to be your friend. Like, unbelievable, dude. And then with everything else that's happening, you know, they don't they don't say it. Like, the narrative early is that he's all about his football and that sort of thing. I'd like to think he was doing a fair bit of boot scooting behind the scenes. You'd love to think that. Uh, I don't know. His best mate, Gary Neville, didn't look like he was doing too much rooting in the doco from what I could see. Looks like an absolute nerd. I mean, fair play. Fair play. I'm sure he was doing a bit of damage, but you put him next to Bex. I mean, that's a rough ride, really. You've got Gary Neville with the short back and sides looking like he sort of got lost on his way to his engineering lecture and is now playing right back for United. And his best mate is probably the hottest, most fuckable bloke that's ever lived. So that's an interesting dynamic in and of itself. And then on top of that, he starts dating Posh posh Spice. And that's where it's like, I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. Dude, Posh Spice in like 2002... Probably the hottest chick I've ever seen in my life. Is that controversial to say? I just don't... I just can't even wrap my head around it. She's so hot. And there was... In the doco, they were saying he would drive like four hours to see her for like seven minutes and shit. That's a tough one because I've had mates who are whipped before, but when you go to have a go at them, it's very easy to do so. Because it's like, oh, mate, how are you this whipped... You know, especially in high school when blokes would have their first love and just lose their minds. And they'd you know, they'd be getting getting the bus up to Avalon to see this girl and stuff, and you're like, mate, you're so whipped. But but these girls were just normal girls from the area. You know, it'd be very hard to have a go at your mate if his girlfriend was posh spice in two thousand and two. You know, it's like, oh mate. You're so embarrassing driving two hours. It's like, mate, I would honestly fly to Abu Dhabi just to like say hi to her from across the room. Like that's how hot this woman is. So, I mean, Gary Neville's going, oh my God, Bex, you're so whipped. I'd be like, Gary, your missus looks like a thumb brother, okay? Your missus couldn't be, she'd be pumpkin spice. She's hideous, brother, okay? Get out of here, Gaz. I don't even want to hear it. My bird is unbelievable, yeah? Unfucking believable. I'm taking the Porsche for a whip. Enjoy doing your stretching in your ice baths while your hideous missus harasses you on your fucking flip phone because it's 2002. Okay? I'm off to bang the hottest chick on the planet and it's not even close. So, I don't even know, dude. I'm not 100% sold on Posh Spice. I know she's got like the classic resting bitch face and I'm sure she's more friendly than she appears, but. But I don't know her, and I can only go off how she appears and sounds, and she doesn't sound particularly friendly. But, you know, I'm sure she's a lovely girl behind behind the, the scenes, as it were. She is riding the line pretty hard with those lip fillers, I will say. Posh Spice, honestly, and this comes from just someone who's a massive fan of how beautiful you are. Riding the line a bit there, babe. Riding the line with some of the face stuff. I mean, Bex himself has had a bit of work done to his face. I think both, but someone from the inner sanctum should say, hey guys, you look great, okay? Everything's where it needs to be. We are riding the line with the face stuff, okay? David Bex, you can see just a little bit of Botox for Bex. Probably had just the tiniest thing done to his lips. 
It's fine. We are riding the line in the Beckham household, okay? That would be my only critique. But yeah, so funny when dude like, yeah, like Sir Alex Ferguson, it's like 65-year-old Scottish guys. Like you're not focused enough on football, Bex. It's like, Gaffer, honestly, tell me you haven't jacked off to my missus behind closed doors. If you can look me in the eye and tell me that, I will drop her immediately, mate. But I think we all know that's not true, yeah? So, just an absolutely phenomenal doco looking into a phenomenal couple. And I couldn't get enough of it, okay? But anyway, hard pivot here. I went to the women's AFL on the weekend, okay? So, just not to put my weekend up against anyone's. I'm not saying that, you know... Maybe some of the listeners here don't support women as much as they could, and I'm some sort of beacon of progressive, you know, light. I'm some sort of, uh, you know, shepherd on the hill guiding the men of today into the future with my progressive views and the way I support women. I'm not saying that, guys, okay? Who's saying that? It's not me saying that. If someone's saying that, fucking let me know, but it wasn't me who said it, Okay. Uh, all I'm saying is that on Friday, I went to see Camp Cope's last gig, and on Saturday, I went to see the women's AFL. So, I don't know how this works, if I just get assigned a bisexual life partner from here, I don't know if I change my bio to on Gadigal land or what happens, but just letting you know that I am now about that life. So, it's all happening, dude. I went to the women's AFL. I got to say, pretty bloody fun afternoon. It cost 10 bucks to go in which was sick. It was at Henson Park in Marrickville, uh, which is just, it's like a first grade cricket ground. That's sort of the vibe. I don't know how many people were there, maybe a couple thousand, but really the perfect amount of people for a live sporting event. You know, you don't want to go. I love it when there's like 5,000 people on a hill. I've had some of the best times of my life on a hill. If you're on a slight gradient, having beers with your friends in the sun and there's sport on, that's pretty much the most fun you could ever have, in my books, anyway. So I met my mate Alex and Reese at the pub, met up with a few other friends. Unreal. I love when this happens, right? So I get down there. Now, I brought a couple of joints, but I'm not sure what the vibe is on the lads, okay? But I got them just to have them. So we have a couple of beers at the pub, and then we go, is there any enthusiasm for Blazing One before we head into the game? My mate goes, brother, I've actually brought a bag of mushies as well. Is there any interest on having a stem and a blaze before we go into this game? And I thought, dude, this is the sense of community that I was looking for when I came to my local AFL game, okay? That's what it's all about. I love that. That is community. Nevertheless, dude, I tell you what, the women's AFL, it feels like you're seeing a cool band before it gets big. Like, all the uh, like local breweries just have like beer tents set up. Super affordable, like $8 cans of Young Henry's. We went to Camp Cope the night before. A can of Young Henry's was like $14. So that's that's a, that's a win in and of itself. Uh, I tried to rally the house. Uh, my roommates, including Rowan, all of them bailed. Uh, Rowan ditched me to go and see a girl, actually. So not sure what, what that's about. It's like, brother, you want to see a woman? I've got fucking 36 of them running around on a patch of grass. Is that not doing enough for you? But... But yeah, it was a fun game, you know, watching the women's AFL. I got to say, guys, it really melted into the background as far as like the hang with my friends. There's about six of us. The hang just got so electric. Honestly, none of us really watched the game. 
Okay. I did see a couple of chicks get folded. So I do feel like I got my money's worth there. Uh, but the hang just got so electric. I just really, none of us really clued into the game. My friend Annie thought the Hawks won. Uh, and, uh, and it, oh no, she thought Sydney won. I'm trying to think who won now. The Hawks won. They played the Hawks song at the end of the game. And then the Hawks won. Everyone's like, ah, rats. And then we get to the pub and Annie's like, fuck yeah. Cheers to, cheers to the bloody swans. Another win, hey? And I'm like, Annie, the Hawks won. She's like, you're kidding. <laughs> so we didn't pay the most attention to the game. I will say women's AFL is not the most amount of points you've ever seen. Okay, probably a few more goals. Could see some more goals. But but also, just a sensational afternoon, dude. Like like I said, you just can't have more fun than having beers on a hill in the sun with your friends. I just I just don't understand like how anything could ever be better. And like I said, it's still like at like grade cricket ground level. Like you don't want to go to the SCG with like 70,000 other people pay for a freaking Carlton mid that's like $34, having a Carlton mid experience, if you ask me. Whereas here, dude, the beers are cheap. It's none of this assigned seating. I'm in B37. Where are you, mate? I'm on the fucking hill, brother. Okay? So I absolutely loved it. Now, up next. So kind of sport heavy this week for whatever reason. This isn't a sport podcast. It's a Billy Darcy podcast. But... At the same time, I just like sport and sort of combat sports and that sort of thing. So, this is just sort of what's happening this week. So, I want to talk about Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis. Okay. The big boxing match between Logan Paul, the YouTuber, and Dylan Dennis, the guy. I know KSI and Tommy Fury also boxed on that card. Honestly, brother, I just don't know what KSI is. I don't know... I thought KSI was a social media platform until like three days ago. So I'm not sure about any of that stuff, like Tommy Fury and that. Like honestly, mate, if you're like G'd up for Tommy Fury versus KSI, like just go drape yourself in a Union Jack because that's some pommy shit, dude, okay? Go back to the United Kingdom because I, I don't know. If you're a fully-fledged Australian and you know what KSI is, that's some pommy shit, dude. So I wish you the best, but... I just think you're probably in the wrong location. But Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis, I wasn't particularly interested in this fight either. But then obviously the build-up got so electric where Dylan Dennis just called Logan Paul's missus a whore pretty explicitly on Twitter for about two months and he had thousands of pictures backing up his his insults. Now, I'm not condoning that, okay? I'm not condoning that. But I'm just saying that as far as spectator, as far as a spectator sport... Logan Paul having his missus get called a whore at various press conferences around the world. I mean, yeah, dude, I'm tuning in, okay? It's very hard to look away. It's like those videos where, uh, you know, like a fucking idiot will walk up behind a horse and get kicked in the head. It's like, yeah, dude, I hope that guy's not dead, you know? And at the same time, while I do wish him the best, fuck yeah, I'll be watching that again, okay? That's kind of how I feel about the Dylan Dennis build-up. So it got to the point where... Everyone hates Logan Paul. Logan Paul is, for lack of a better word, an absolute piece of shit, okay? So then you got Dylan Dennis calling his wife a whore. You're like, oh, I don't condone that. I don't know why his wife's getting dragged into this. But it's sort of collateral damage for getting this bloke we all hate. Dylan Dennis is also a piece of shit. Everyone hates him. 
He's fought twice in Bellator like 47 years ago, and he's just a troll. So it's like, fuck yeah, dude. I'm in for either of these blokes getting chinned massively. I just want to see some bodies hit the floor. Okay, so they they nailed the build up to this fight because really, if you told me, and I didn't watch this fight, okay, I should say, I went to watch it and it was on at 7 a.m. and you had to pay $33. I'm like, okay. But I thought I watched the highlights. I was on Logan Paul points, okay? Pretty sensational bet from me. And here's the thing, dude. If you told me Dylan Dennis got KO'd and was like, stretch it out of there, I go, do you know what? I hate Logan Paul, but whatever. I'll have a bit of that. And if you told me that Logan Paul got knocked out and was stretched out of there, oh my God, dude. Wow. And that was the main reason why I almost paid $33 because I thought if Logan Paul gets stretched out of here and I miss it live, that will actually kill me, dude. So anyway, nothing really happened. It was the worst fight ever. Um, no one got chinned. And this is the problem with this YouTube stuff is I'm in for it, dude. I like watching Jake Paul box MMA fighters because I want to see Jake Paul get chinned. But the problem with this stuff is no one ever gets chinned. I just want to see one of these cunts get knocked the fuck out. And that's why it's such a genius marketing plan. And here's the thing is like, ugh, Dylan Dennis, dude. Look, obviously he's not a boxer, but at the same time, if you're going to talk all this shit, calling this guy's wife a whore and saying you're going to kill him, and then Logan Paul saying like, you're a disgrace, like keep my wife's name out of your mouth, I'm going to kill you. And then you both turn up on just sort of Dylan Dennis through a total of nine punches, nine across six rounds. So that's basically one punch a round. Logan Paul, it's just not good what he's doing in there. Like just, he's like on steroids, but also has no power. So that's, that's, an, that's a combination we've not seen before. Usually you want to do the steroids to get the power. Logan Paul's done the steroids and received no power in exchange. So that's, that's an achievement in and of itself. And I congratulate Logan on finding a way to do that somehow. He's done steroids in a way that has somehow not increased his strength. So, wow. That's that's new. Okay, that, that is new. And my bet failed because Dylan Dennis tried to wrestle him in the last round. And it was a DQ. Even though Logan had won five and a half of the six rounds. Just by virtue of the fact he actually threw a punch. So then I lose my bet on a DQ. Uh, Logan Paul's security guard got into the ring during the fifth and sixth round to protect him. What a farce. Like, oh, mate, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. I'm going to kill you. But also, if you look like throwing your 10th punch across six rounds, my security guard will get in the ring. Like, brother, do you know what I mean? Logan Paul is a fucking fool, mate. Really, I can't condone this. And now he's suing Dylan Dennis. Which people are saying, oh, you shouldn't sue someone, mate. All's fair in love and war. It's like, really? Who gives a fuck, dude? If I was Logan Paul and this stupid clown was saying all this stuff, it's like, yeah, whatever. Dude, Logan Paul scammed his followers, his like teenage followers, out of millions of dollars, convincing them to invest in this crypto that he had bought shitloads of. And then when they all pumped the price up, he dumped all of his crypto uh, making millions of dollars and just uh, ruining their investments, just taking thousands of dollars out of 
his followers' pockets and putting it into his. Like, he's a terrible, terrible person. So why wouldn't he sue Dylan Dennis? So this suing Dylan Dennis doesn't even scratch the surface on some of the worst things Logan Paul has done. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure... I'm not sure I would have sued Dylan Dennis in this situation. I think, personally, mate, and obviously I'm not a fighter, but Logan Paul, well, he's not a fighter either. So, I don't know. If he just tried to chin Dylan Dennis, I think that would have been better. Okay? if just I just want to see one guy get chinned in one of these fights. Okay? And then Tommy Fury scraped a decision against KSI. Tommy Fury, the professional boxer. Half-brother of Tyson Fury. Like, mate, you obviously got the wrong half, hey? Put it this way, mate. Tyson Fury is the is a world champion heavyweight. Probably one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. He lost his hair at, like, 29. He's fat as, fat as fuck and just ugly. Okay? And he's one of the best boxers of all time. Tommy Fury is probably the hottest cunt I've ever seen in my life. Like, I'm not... He's not hotter than Bex, but there's a conversation to be had there. Okay? And he can't box to save himself. So he's he's Tyson Fury's half-brother. I think we all know which half he got. And it was the half that is contribute to his unbelievable lid. Okay? It's just, I can't... Like, scraping a decision against against KSI with the last name Fury, I mean, just really, can't condone any of that either. So that's that's what's happened there. Up next, okay... Yeah, a little bit combat sports heavy this week, guys, but that's just what's happening. So up next, uh, obviously, the UFC, uh, it's a big one this week, UFC 294. And I just want to flag one thing that I saved on my phone because I wanted to talk about it. So this uh, News Corp journalist, Dean Ritchie, uh, is a, a bloke who's out there. He's a journalist. Shout out. And he put out a article and he said this quote regarding Alex Volkanovsky fighting for the undisputed lightweight strap. Probably, also keep in mind, if the Volk wins this weekend, it will be, without a doubt, unequivocally, the greatest sporting achievement in the history of this country. And I don't think anything would come close. If the Matildas won the World Cup, we could have a conversation about that. But this probably, without a doubt, if not top three, greatest sporting achievements in Australian history on the line this Sunday. And this is what News Corp journalist Dean Ritchie said. He said, the UFC is pure violence. If such sadism happened on the street, you'd be incarcerated. When will this barbaric brutality master sport be banned? Hitting, kicking, and kneeing a defenseless person on the floor isn't sport. It's primitive and savage. That was from Dean Ritchie, News Corp journalist. So shout out, shout out, dude! What a what a what a wild take! What a wild wild take! Firstly, dude, obviously, yeah, dude, I'm furious about this. I hate this. I hate, I hate, I hate everything about this. Okay, so let's just quickly drive by on this. Firstly, like that take, and you see old blokes say this shit all the time. And it's like, brother, just tell me you haven't seen it. Just tell me you haven't watched it, okay? You haven't watched it, and that's fine. You know, these old blokes, they're like, oh, blokes in a cage. It's just former prisoners with crowbars, and there's 10 of them in there. Like, just tell me you haven't watched it, and that's fine. 
you've heard me on this very podcast go on about how I don't think F1 is a sport. Do you know why I say F1 is a sport? Because I'm a clown and I've never actually watched a race. I've never watched one second of F1 in my life. And that's why I just dismiss it as not being a sport. Because I've never seen it, okay? I'm, and I'm just some clown who's never seen it. So, Dean Ritchie, just admit you haven't seen it, brother. You know, if boxing is a sport, then this is a sport. And you just know that this warm tomato can of a man, like this bloke, he's just red. He's just sort of red and round. And he's just, you just know when George Rose announces a rugby league no limit boxing card, Dean Ritchie's just shaking his chins around with excitement. You know, if boxing is a sport, then the UFC is 100% a sport. And here's the thing with the UFC, because people sometimes say this, oh, mate, how do you watch that stuff? It's like, yeah, dude, if you Google like most brutal UFC moments on YouTube, it is, it can be brutal, okay? There's bad injuries, there's cuts, but if you just watch a normal card, like it's not that bad, okay? Yes, it's a violent sport, it's fighting, it's fighting. Of course, it's violent. Okay? And it's like the reality with the UFC is it is decision-making at the highest level with the highest stakes available. You know, it's like chess if people actually gave a fuck about it. That's really what the UFC is. It's like skill, strategy, and athleticism at the highest level imaginable. Split-second decision-making. The, the margin for error in like a f- perfect example, the margin for error in Volkanovsky versus Islam Makhachev or Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makhachev is so razor thin and the stakes are so high and the consequences you could pay for making just the tiniest split second mistake are just out of this world. That's why it is such a fantastic sport, dude. Of course it's a sport. And look, I don't want to harp on this for too long because obviously... This guy's a bit of a clown, and I would like to admit before we go any further that I did not read the article, okay? I wanted to read the article and really get into this, but it was behind a Daily Telegraph paywall, and once you sign up for those News Corp things, dude, they're so hard to get rid of. I was paying for the Daily Telegraph for like a year and a half after I wanted to check if I was a finalist in that Valentine's Day competition in, uh, I think, 2020. Uh, which I was, and one of New South Wales' most eligible singles is still a title I wear with great pride, okay? And I didn't want to buy this article just to really fire up on this guy. It's blatantly a clickbait, art- a clickbait article, and guess what, cunt? Consider me baited, okay? I'm furious. So you've done your job there, uh, Dean, and so I went on his Twitter. This was all I could access. Doesn't look like he's been tweeting too recently, but in 2021, and I think I've spoken about this on the podcast, when Sam Kerr told everyone to suck it after the media were bashing the Matildas before the last World Cup or the last Olympics, I think it was, and would have been 2020. And everyone was counting the Matildas out because they lost their first game. And then we beat Italy, I think, or drew against them. And Sam Kerr said, everyone who doubted us can suck it. Uh, Dean Ritchie tweeted that, if Sam Kerr wants to be treated like a professional sportsman, she should act like one and she needs to grow up. So this guy has literally bashed Sam Kerr in the past. Like, dude. And you know what? I don't know what this guy gets up to, but I would like to see 
what he had to say about the Women's World Cup this year because I bet he would have been all about it. Either he would have been all about it bandwagoning because it was the cool thing to do or he would have still been bashing it, at which point you're pretty much just sexist, dude. So this guy has literally tweeted negative things about Australian icon Sam Kerr in the past. So I don't know, dude. Do you know what I mean? If that's what you're about, imagine you're arguing with someone in a pub and they go, quick sidebar, I think Sam Kerr's a a dumb bitch. You'd just be like, okay, (laughs) okay, dude, (laughs) I'm leaving the table. And that's how I feel in this moment. You know, opinion pieces in this country, sport-wise, and I don't really read journalism, that's not sports. So I don't want to comment on anything outside of that. But opinion pieces in this country are really just written by really red 65-year-old men or like 23-year-old non-binary nerds. And both of them are as bad as each other. You know, we need a balance. Where Where is the chosen one? Where is the just normal 31-year-old who can just sort of see things with a bit of clarity? Is, will someone answer the call? It's so easy just to bash stuff. Like sports journalists that just bash stuff, it's just hilarious when they're like, oh, I love sport. It's my passion. That's why, that's why I dedicated my whole life to covering it. And then they just bash stuff. It's like, that's just easy. It's so easy to bash stuff. It's way harder to write an article about the gravity of what Alex Volkanovsky is about to attempt. It's so easy to bash stuff. That's how Buzz Rothfield is, is able to work on NRL 360 at 94 years old. Because it's so easy just to say, this isn't how I used to like things. This isn't how things used to be when I was relevant. Let's be neg- It's so easy. That's how a literal animated corpse holds down a probably $200,000 a year media job. That's how easy it is to bash things. So, so yeah, I didn't really rate that from Dean Ritchie. Anyway. All right. Now, let, and, and here's the thing, dude. It is easy to bash things. And that's not what I'm about to do. Let's talk about UFC 294 because Volk's coming off the couch and you better do something about it, dude. Holy shit. I am shaking. I am shaking, brother. My God. Volkanovsky, 11 days notice, fighting Islam Makachev for the UFC lightweight championship. Let's get into it. This man just inspires me, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Like this guy, I I guarantee they're paying him like more money than he's ever been paid before. Like he must be making an insane stack. And I think Volk, the smart thing about the Volk is he knows he's about to turn 35. He's making hay while the sun shines. And I think he knows this is win-win. He's going to probably get paid like three, four million dollars or something. I don't know what houses cost in win-dang New South Wales, but he's probably just buying up the street just putting each house in a different one of his kids' names, just setting his whole family up for life. And it's unbelievable, okay? Great to see just a working class man just stacking it up, dude. I love it. And I got to say, to talk about the fight itself, yeah, it's going to be fucking tough. I don't I don't love it. I don't love his chances because... He's in 145-pound shape, even though he said in an interview that he was he weighed 181 when he got the call. But it was like a lot of water weight. And, you know, you've got to put on that extra muscle. And I don't really know anything about cutting weight or putting on muscle. Uh, I had a gym membership at Anytime Fitness for about six months in 2021. So I do have some expertise in building muscle, though very little. But 
I do know that his next fight was at 145. And so he wouldn't have been, you know, when he was uh, fought Islam the first time, he was eating like, he said he couldn't, he could barely stomach all the food he was eating to to build the muscle. So I don't. I think he's not going to be as strong in there. He's not. He's, he said, this is, this is the toeiest thing that he said. He said, I don't have time to prepare for the worst case scenario. He goes, if, if something goes wrong, I'm fucked. I'm not looking to get in a technical five-round war. I'm not looking to... If something, if something goes wrong and I make a mistake, it's over. I don't have time to prepare for every scenario that's going to come my way. So I'm going to go in there. My cardio, it's good, but it's not peak. I'm not looking to drag this deep. He goes, I'm going in there to chin this bloke in the first three. Finish or be finished. It's my only chance, which is just, oh my God, dude. Can someone from Disney get their hands on this story? I mean, if I don't see a Channel 9 telemovie about this in the next six months, I swear to God, dude. Channel 9 will make a telemovie just dragging Shane Warne through the mud for every chick he's ever hooked up with, and they won't make a telemovie about family man from Windang fighting for the lightweight strap on 11 days notice. I mean, this is just a Rocky film in real life. That's really what this is. And I would love to see more home support for the Volk. I feel like, and I felt like this when he fought Islam the first time, this is like Matilda's World Cup level stuff. Like, and this is what I'm talking about when I say, I wish we supported our own more, like we did with the Matildas. And what I mean by that is when you see the pubs packed out all around Australia watching the Matildas, 70% of people in those pubs don't like football, Okay. But they're not there to support football. They're there to support the Matildas. And my dream with like stuff like the Volk, um, really all sport, really, like whatever you're into, um, my dream is that like, you know, if an Australian is fighting for the lightweight strap, I'd like to see like the pubs packed out with people who don't really like UFC, but will watch a Volk fight. You know, with Tim Zhu, like if Tim Zhu fights Charlo for all four, all four belts or Crawford for all four belts, I'm not a big boxing guy, but I will go watch that to support Tim Zoo. You know, I'd like to see more of that Matilda-style energy, you know? Sometimes, like, when the Olympics kicks off, that sort of thing. Like, Kathy Freeman-type shit. We dead said do it, like, once every 10 years, and then we just go back to really not supporting our own. Like, if the media just made any sort of an effort, think of the media coverage the Matildas received, and now you've got Volkanovsky going for something... Of, of like the same level as trying to win a football World Cup and we've got this fucking tomato head of a bloke saying ban the sport. It's like sweet. Hot take, brother. Hot take. But yeah, I think it's going to be a great fight. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, Volk's paying 330 for a fucking reason. I'll tell you what, I don't mind the fight not going the distance. There's a bet on this one. And I also, um, I don't mind Volk KO. I'd throw down, throw down some some coin on that. Obviously, I'm, I mean, Islam could be paying a dollar three. I'll never bet, I'll never bet on Islam against Volkanovski or De Bronx, and I'll never bet against the Volk. So, so yeah, but enjoy the Volk while we have him. Like, let's say I live to ninety four. God willing, I want to live to ninety four and just have a shotgun put in my mouth on a hospital roof on my 94th birthday. I'm not doing any of this microchip into a robot, transfer my consciousness stuff. I'm 94 and I'm out, dude. But let's say, like, right now, we have the pound-for-pound pound number one best fighter on the planet 
is from Australia. That's pretty fucking crazy, dude. We could easily go, the Volk, you know, two, three years left maybe. Will we ever see an Australian be the pound-for-pound number one fighter on the planet in my lifetime? Genuine question. We might see we might see one win a belt. Will we ever see them become pound-for-pound pound number one? I don't think so, dude. Maybe not. Maybe we will. I hope we do. But I'm, I'm telling you, this could be one of those things where 20, 30 years from now, people are going, looking back going, that was actually insane that we had the Volk during that time. Like, just unbelievable. Enjoy this man while he's here. I can't wait. Volk by KO. Oh, my God. It's going to be tough, but I love this attitude that he's going in going, fuck all this noise. He said he maybe respected him too much in the first fight where, like, you know, I think there was the third round he got put in the body triangle and just sort of accepted it and, you know, didn't want to risk getting up. I think this time you'll just see... Volt come out with a sickening pace for three rounds. Sickening. And just try and just put it on him. And we'll see, dude. I could see a situation where the whole thing's a bit of a flop, where Islam misses weight and then and then beats the Volk. Because it just feels like every time Islam goes to the scale, it's like up in the air. And I don't dislike Islam. I got no problems with him. It's just that his last three fights have been against Volk, De Bronx, and Volk. So it's like, you've pretty much just fought my dad three times in a calendar year. Of course, I don't go for you, mate. But but yeah, we'll see, dude. Hopefully, Islam has a bad weight cut and, uh, and Volk chins him. Would love to see it. Would love to see it. Up next, dude, Kamaru Usman versus Hamzat Shemaev. I mean, what the fuck, dude? This is, this is so hot. This is so hot. Like, this is... This is posh spice in 2003. Like, this is just, you know what I mean? This is so fucking sexy. I love everything about this. And I love that they didn't make, like, Cannoneer or Vittori versus Chemaev. Like, middleweight's not the sexiest division. I know they've got Israel and Whitaker there, but Israel's never going to take it. Some pelican who listens to this pod messaged me saying Whitaker was taking the fight. And I messaged my mates, and I looked like a fucking fool. So... Cheers for that, whoever that was. I don't love this fight for Usman. Like, the thing with these Abu Dhabi cards is you always get pumped up. You know, I was up at 4 a.m. last year, De Bronx Islam. We were off our tree for it, okay? And it's like, uh, and I would love to see Usman or Volk win. Obviously, I prefer the Volk to win, but Usman and the Volk, it's unbelievable. It's sexy. It's absolute fairy tale stuff. The reality is probably Chemaev and Islam both win. Okay, you know Usman. He looked pretty old against Leon in his last fight. He's got he's got no uh, he's got like no meniscus in either knee. He looked pretty old. He's a true welterweight. I don't I don't know what his future in middleweight's going to look like. If it was a five round fight at welterweight, I would love to see that, and I I almost favor Usman in that. But three rounds at middleweight, it feels like Shamayev could just come out and just blast him out of there i don't know i would love to see usman chin him i love kamara usman dude i when uh kamara usman called out masvidal for the second time because they had that seven day notice short fight short notice fight when usman then i think he beat gilbert burns and then he called out masvidal and was saying like i'm so sick of masvidal still running his mouth 
He goes, it's not over. If you want to keep talking like this, you got to step into my office and see me. And then, and then just KO'd the fuck out of Masvidal, dude. Like, like when he was taught, when he was fighting three times a year, referring to the welterweight strap as his office. Oh my god, just running the town. He's like, you got to step in here and see me. It was like you got called to the principal's office. Dude, I swear, dude, if if Usman beat Leon the first time, I think it, I, I was going to have to fight Usman next for the welterweight strap. Like, he was just running the town, dude. So, oh, I love Usman. Yeah, it's a tough one. These, these Muslim guys in Abu Dhabi, like, yeah, it's very tough. It's very tough. And yeah, I, I, I don't dislike Chemaev either. I think he's probably a bit of a cunt, but also love it, you know? But at the same time, like, if Chemaev and Islam were fighting other people, like if Islam was fighting Gamrot this weekend, who was the backup fighter, mate, you'd see me at the casino this Sunday, 5 a.m. I, I would have shaved my moustache off and I'd be reading from the Quran myself, okay? Nothing against these great guys, but Usman and Volker, two of my favorites, dude. I would love to see one of them get up on short notice. Even if Usman goes on to fight Strickland for the middleweight strap, that's crazy, dude. That is crazy. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Anyway, um, look, Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. Also, I'd totally bet on Shemaev against Usman, if that wasn't clear. Um, but, yeah, Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. I hate Ankalaev more than anyone. I think he's the most boring fighter in and out of the cage of all time. Uh, he sucks. I, I literally hope he gets delisted. Uh, I hope... Look, Johnny Walker, I don't love his chances. I think he could just get wrestled to death, just lay and pray. And I think they've actually, I know uh, Islamic people pray five times a day. They may as well just schedule this fight at the same time as all the Islamic blokes need to pray because Magomed could honestly just lie on top of Johnny Walker and get his prayers in uh, while also just defeating this guy via the most boring fashion possible. My God, I hate him, okay? So, yeah. Praying for a Johnny Walker knockout, which could happen. He's on a bit of a run, um, but it probably won't. And then you got Ikram Alaskarov and Sed Namagadamedov. Uh, just bet on them, okay? Just bet on them. Uh, a couple of Muslim fellas paying a dollar seventy each. Uh, their beards will be glowing like the Avatar, and I think it's going to be pretty sick. So one one guy who I wouldn't mind seeing a bit of scratch go down on Tim Elliott is paying like four ninety five against Muhammad Makayev who is another Islamic bloke who's just highly touted. But he almost lost in his last fight. And Tim Elliott's... Uh, Tim Elliott is coming off a good win, and he's an absolute dog. He's white trash. He's poor. And he's, he's, his wife left him for his best friend. Uh, you know, a bloke who's poor and heartbroken, that's a dangerous combo. And, he you know, he's white trash. I'm not saying Tim Elliott's racist, but I'm saying he probably is. And you take a poor, heartbroken, racist man... And put him in Abu Dhabi paying four ninety five. I'm just saying that, dude, anything could happen. Okay? Anything could happen. But if just Usman or the Volk could get up, it would just be craziness. It'd be absolute craziness. So pump for the fights this weekend. Now, last thing here, the project for this week. The project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent killing it here and abroad. Off the rip, one of my favorite bands, Teenage Jones who are just another indie rock band that I love. They've got a new album out this week. It's the Triple J feature album. I didn't write down the name of it. I apologize. 
and my phone's on airplane mode. But check them out, Teenage Jones. They're also touring, so I just love them. Get around them. And then after that, for the project this week, bit of uh, a friend of the pod, Pat Doherty, the snake himself. Pat Doherty, you know, he's a comedian. Uh, he's a snake. Uh, but he's also a fantastic artist. If some of you don't know that about Pat, I think we have spoken about his art on previous episodes. He's a fantastic artist. And he's got a new exhibition coming up next Tuesday, the 24th of October, 6 p.m. at Machiavelli in Bondi. So you can go on Pat Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, or Pat Doherty Art on Instagram. And you can book tickets to that via the link in his bio. Tickets are completely free. It's just to get a gauge on numbers. And go check out some local art if you live in the Sydney area. You know, it's Bondi, great date idea if you need to take a man or a woman out and you don't really have a good idea. Quick art exhibition on the way to dinner. Got something to talk about. Um, but yeah, Tuesday, the 24th of October, 6 p.m. I'll be there. Don't approach me, okay? I'm there for the art. And uh, and yeah, 6 p.m., Machiavelli in Bondi. Next Tuesday, Pat Doherty's art exhibition. Check it bloody out, dude. Uh, also, if you don't live in Sydney and you want to check out Pat's art, Pat Doherty Art on Instagram. So, fuck yeah, dude. We love local art here at Get Around Me. But that is the podcast for this week. Second half with Rowan coming up. Some good stuff on there. And I hope you enjoyed it. And that's that, dude. Thanks for listening. All right, legends. Welcome back to yet another second half of Get Around Me. Joined by the Irish Wolfhound himself. What's doing, mate? Best I've ever been. Best you've ever been. Obviously, that's a lie. Um, but well, I am well. You're well. I appreciate that. And is it fair to say, mate, we've had our most politically active weekend of all time? We've been activated. We have been activated, <laughs> and I don't think I'll ever deactivate. Can you deactivate? I don't think it's possible for me. I'm. I listened to a bit of Seven O Two this morning on the way to work. Oh, dude, you are so activated. So activated. I'm just fucking. There's going to be a Save Our ABC sticker on my car so soon. Oh, mate, 100%. I'm so fucking close to rewatching Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell. And this time, I'm going to find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you are activated. See, I'm activated. <laughs> See, I was going to rewatch Mad as Hell and think this guy's not mad at all. He's making a lot of sense. <laughs> he's making a lot of sense. I know those ministers he's talking about as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I didn't even think about deactivating. No. Is that a possibility? Because I don't know if you've ever met anyone who's ever been activated. It doesn't seem like it's possible for them. Yeah, it doesn't like because I've before this weekend, I've never, I've always been pretty apathetic. I've just kind of found things funny and not cared about anything. But now I'm fucking activated. Yeah, and also, mate, I've seen a lot of barbecues ruined by people who I bet wished they could have deactivated. I know. I, I tell, I've told my dad for years, just who gives a shit? Just stop it. It doesn't matter what Peter Dutton's doing. It doesn't affect your life. Just chill. It's just my chill. 26th birthday. <laughs> I, I understand that Peter Dutton is doing these things, but we're at El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to have a margarita and shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, they're fucking dogs, mate. They're dogs. They're just absolutely... Just chill. Chill. 
Not the time. I'm wearing a sombrero. <laughs> Do we should have a rule that if someone's wearing a sombrero at the table, you cannot discuss climate policy. Yeah, you cannot at all. It doesn't matter. Because when you're wearing a sombrero, brother, climate's not affecting me. I don't want to Re- hear a Darnie. Wind, rain. I've got I've got the whole <laughs> sun. I'm, I've got shelter. I'm a walking shelter with this sombrero on, so I don't want to hear it. But, mate, honestly, I put our weekend politically mm-hmm. up against anyone's. Probably. Okay. I mean, pound for pound, we could be pound for pound, maybe the most activated, <laughs> at least the most activated white guys. Yeah. You know, also, white guys that aren't, mate, white guys that have thrown a few bricks into a skip, the most politically activated ones. Because, mate, there are some blokes out there that have just been, I don't know, wearing slacks for 12 years, and they're probably more politically activated than us. But would you say, okay, yeah, you're right. Mm. That's fair to say. It's fair. But I think over the weekend, regardless of how activated anyone else was, we were pretty fucking activated. We were activated. And I'll throw it down, right? Camp Cope, final ever gig on the Friday. Bang. Bang. Okay. Most people were activating Saturday morning. <laughs> We've been everyone to the punch, dude. Yeah. Oh, you're just waking up this morning activating? We've been, we've been up, up and at him for, what, 12 hours? Uh 8.45, Friday night, I'm yelling, yes, yes, Georgia Mac. <laughs> and then, so we went Camp Cope into voting Saturday morning mm-hmm. into Palestine Rally Sunday. Mate, that's pretty active. That's as active as it gets. And to be fair, the Palestine Rally was happening incredibly close to our house. We sort of, I, I mean, you could say the Palestine rally activated itself towards us. Yeah, yeah. That was more sort of, I'm not, I can't take 100% credit for that. <laughs> the Palestine rally was happening 500 meters from our house. If it was happening 600, we probably don't attend. Probably not. It's just, it was one of those things where, well, let's start at the start, mate. Yeah. Uh, chronologically, Camp Cope, Friday night, we went to see their last ever gig at the Sydney Opera House. It was unbelievable it was so good it was so good we almost didn't make it a lady fainted on the tram Mm. decisions had to be made and we made the wrong ones but that's okay we definitely made the wrong ones (laughs) this lady faints on our tram immediately i'm like fuck this we gotta go i'm like we'll line bike there Mm. now that's a pretty cool thing to do and from where we were it's about a a five ten minute line bike straight through hyde park Mm. as well so you'd know about it uh, unfortunately, Rowan is banned from the Uber app. Mm-hmm. While I am banned from Uber Eats, I'm still allowed to use the transport <laughs> services. So then, so that, and also we were pretty, you know, sort of three doors down around the corner type stuff. We were amped up for the concert. Mm. Okay. So Rowan's signing up for the blue bikes, like Hello Bike or something. Yep. Member. Yep. And so congratulations. I don't even want to talk shit because I thought I was booking a line bike. But there's like another bright green electric bike company. <laughs> I, was, I was scanning an air bike with the Uber app, it turned out. It wasn't even a real line. So we did that for about 10 minutes. The tram is still there. The lady's still coming too. <laughs> <laughs> we're still trying to fuck around with these bikes. And also, I thought once they were like, we're stopping here for a little bit. I thought everyone on the tram would just get off. But it's just me and Billy just stoned running off a tram and then no one following. And we're like, oh, should, have we made the wrong decision? And then we get back on the tram. We're like, fuck this, fuck this. We got to go. And then after like 15 minutes, we get on the same tram. Also, saw some young fellas almost kill themselves. Yeah. PSA. 
PSA, yeah, line bikes can be quite dangerous. Guys, and I know that I have really potentially <laughs> in my in my role as a role model, I may have been leading people astray with this because I also enjoy riding line bikes on the tram tracks. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. Yeah. You know you shouldn't go on them, <laughs> but that's why you just got to bloody go on them, you know? And we saw these young fellas do. They would have been about 15, 16. It was like fast and furious. One of them- just missed the tram by like a meter. Mm. It was, and they were having a bloody laugh, but I tell you who won't be laughing, mate, your mum, <laughs> when she's cleaning you up off the tram tracks. Which is how it works. Which is how it works. The New South Wales government has a very strict policy. If you get mowed down by a tram, a family member of yours does have to clean it up. We did exactly. And then the obviously the tram that had stopped set off before we'd even gotten on our bikes. I'm like, God fucking damn it. We did that thing in alone that we were like bullying. We were talking shit on all the men for doing. That like the woman just would sit there and kind of dance and catch a fish and chill. And then the men would just be like, something needs to change. A decision needs to be made. And then they're just suddenly in the middle of a lake in a kayak. They made being like, this isn't working. <laughs> before they were on land and now they're just in the middle of the lake, which is where we found ourselves really. Yeah, big time. Uh, I'm trying to scan this air bike. We're in the middle of the lake. And we ended up just getting on like the, the next tram, like three trams later. And everyone who just did literally nothing got to the opera house way quicker than us. Absolutely. And- it was a little bit stressful because we found out on the way that they weren't having an opener. Yeah, yeah. So, we were like... And we were getting there on time to see the openers. Mm. But then it turns out there wasn't an opener. So, we're rushing in. The Opera House, it was actually our first time there. Yeah, I'd never been there before. I went, yeah, I went to see a play when I was, I don't know, in kindy or some shit. But, dude, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's fucking unbelievable in there. Mate, it's great. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if this is like a lame thing to say or whatever. If everyone's obviously already aware of this, but dude, the sound in the opera house—it's <laughs> incredible. It was designed for for music. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone aware of this? <laughs> yeah. I, I was in there. I was like, "Whoa, someone's put some thought into this." <laughs> oh my god, it sounds incredible in there, dude. It, I don't think stand-up comedy necessarily lives there. No, nah, the roof's so high. The roof is so high, and it's a little bit school recital vibes in there. But I would still play the Opera House just to mug off cunts who can't. Yeah, and just to mug off enemies. Oh, massively. Yeah. Massively. I would weaponize the fact I played the Opera House. Mate, what have you ever done that you haven't weaponized? I mean, why would you do anything (laughs) if not to weaponize it? So true. Riddle me that, Rowan. Men are are sick. I forgot. I forgot that men rule. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but it sounded unbelievable in there. We took a mild amount of mushrooms before we went in. Shout out. Fantastic. Dude, I don't really see how you could ever go wrong taking a mild amount of mushrooms and seeing some live music. Yeah, it's and also, if that does go wrong for you, then that's not mushrooms' fault. If it goes wrong for you, they're probably not mushrooms. Yeah. Mate, your dealer doesn't... He doesn't like you. Mm. Dude, literally like two songs into Camp Cope, I was literally just going... I'm so fucking proud of these girls. Yeah. <laughs> and then Rob was like, me too. And I was like, oh, I forgot we took those mushrooms. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I like this band a lot. But I was literally like, oh my, keep going, girls. Like, oh my God, they've come so fucking far. Yeah. <laughs> going out on their own terms. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Mate, if you saw me and Billy just bleary-eyed, taking double takes, getting off the tram, 
me vaping, getting back on the tram, being like, what should we do? While everyone else just kind of sat there, you'd be like, there's no way that these guys are going to see a concert then afterwards just start quoting things about art that they've read. Oh, my God. But it unlocked something in us, mate. Sometimes you just got to leave the opera house, smoke a joint in front of the Sydney Harbour Bridge and be like, bah, 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 bah. this is what I think about art. Have you ever been so moved by art that you... Smoke a joint 35 metres from the nearest cop. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because that's what happened to us. <laughs> Roll was like, we should go somewhere else. I go, there's no fucking time. <laughs> we must discuss this right now. Dude, when we walked out, like, I'm still like on mushies a bit, lighting up this joint. I was like, we are frauds. We are full of shit. We're imposters. We have nothing to say. That reviewer was right. (laughs) (laughs) But no, good art. Julia Jacqueline, surprise. Julia Jacqueline out of nowhere. A beautiful tall lady hits the stage. Oh, dude, you fucking know it when Julia Jacqueline Mm. hits the stage. She must be about six, six flat or. Yeah, six flat at least, I think. And we were about 200 meters away and I was like, that is a tall lady. Good on her. Yeah, elegant. Elegant. Very elegant. Uh, and there, there was a few kids ran out onto the stage, mm, heartwarming. Heartwarming. They actually started the gig uh, with that cool little doco. Such a good way to do it. Dude, if you want like the whole crowd to be like so sad at your farewell gig, play like a five minute thing about what the band means to each member <laughs> and how far they've come. Yeah. And by the time they came out to play their first song, I was like... This is unbelievable. <laughs> like it was, and the whole time they had Camp Cope 2015 to 2023 up the back. So good. Oh my god, dude! If I ever do like a farewell comedy gig, mate, you'll I would it. love to have that up the back. <laughs> mate, you'll never fucking quit. <laughs> I, I I don't know what I would quit for. Yeah, it also takes up way less time than being in a band. Yeah. I, I am one of those guys. You know how they say, oh, comedians just want to be rock stars. Mm. That is me. Oh, it's 100% you, yeah. If, if there was some situation where I became like the lead singer of a rock band somehow. If you found some rhythm. If I found some rhythm, if I found some, if I like could sing, mm. it's it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> if you were another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. If I was a completely different person with a completely different skill set, <laughs> I would have a different life. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> what a hot take. And he would be super successful at that. Very, very successful. Very, very successful. Dude, if I was a different person with different skills, <laughs> my life would be different to the way it is right now, but I think there'd be more money and bitches. <laughs> I just have a really good feeling. Hang on, mate. I'll just get this sun out of your eyes. Do you want mm. to put this down? Yeah, chuck it down. My beautiful blue eyes. Thank you. And it was fantastic as well because, yeah, then basically we're just blazing one under the Harbour Bridge, getting emotional about art and how... We realized we've never actually created any. <laughs> i tell you what, if, you, if you're a stand-up comedian who thinks it's art, don't go to the opera house. <laughs> we're a bit further off the pace than we thought. But yeah, that was just phenomenal. And oh my God. And then, dude, and then we go to Molly Malone's afterwards. Oh, what a time. And then we just... They started up like this, like fiddle circle or something. Yeah, yeah. There was three piano accordions in the mix of this little, I don't know, Irish cunts just getting up to no good. Like just eight Irish people with like fiddles. What was the thing you said? 
the piano accordions. Piano accordions, guitars, and one guy would start. And then everyone else would just watch and wait. And then another guy would jump in. Oh, my And then God. another guy would jump in. And they were just kind of riffing, but with their instruments. Yeah. <laughs> and like, cut to me and Rowan crying more. We're like, they're not even getting paid. They're doing this because they love it. Yeah. I'm glad we stopped watching the baseball game that's not even live. <laughs> but you had our backs to them and was watching a baseball game that wasn't even live. And we're like, okay, well, we don't really understand this sport. So we may as well turn around. What a decision that was. Mm. Unbelievable. And that was just a fantastic night, mate. Yeah, it was great. It was really fun. And didn't even get home at like too weird of a time, 1am yeah. or something. Yeah, normal as. Shut it down. I got to say, I'm a massive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Advocate. Mm-hmm. Well, Bra- political advocate. Brackets activated. But I'm a massive advocate for like opening acts at like music shows and stuff yeah, so you can yeah. meet new bands. But I got to say, farewell gig especially. Mm. Just so genius that they came out just then. Yeah, that is sick. And the set list was just impeccable. Yeah, it was great. They have three albums. They played like the best four songs from each album. Mm. And they finished on the biggest one. And they even they played a 10-minute version of the opener. Yeah, that was fantastic. Oh, my God. Like the rest of the band went off the stage. And then mm. it was just her on the piano. Um like whole new song basically yeah yeah four and a half minutes brand new song she was just spinning bars dude you know the lead singer of the smith street band got dragged into next week for about four and a half minutes (laughs) i took my smith street band shirt off at the time (laughs) i'll leave this here we all threw our phones into the harbor (laughs) because they were my number one song of 2021 and uh, yeah so he got dragged for about four and a half minutes and then the band comes back out Oh, my God. Yeah. Everyone's crying. Just me, Rowan, and 1,100 lesbians bawling our eyes out. Yeah, it was beautiful. And that's why they made that fucking building, mm. dude. But, mate, cut cut from that into wake up the next morning, democracy on the mind. Yeah. Buzzing, yeah? Buzzing, yeah. Mate, to say vote, voting was an anticlimax. Yeah, big time. And it we, was a weird vibe, to be honest. Dude, the vibe was off. So, firstly, we live in Surrey Hills, so that's, like, I think one of the biggest yes vote places yeah. in Australia. Mm. Double check that. Yeah. It's same. Same with all inner suburbs of Melbourne, inner suburbs of Sydney. Yeah, just trendy areas, mate. Yeah. So, we're there to vote yes. Everyone's there to vote yes. And there was just- There was no vibe. Well, Be- we were all pretty- <laughs> Just a bunch of people voting yes, being like, well, it's going to be no. <laughs> yeah, it was- Everyone there was voting yes with the knowledge- that it was going to be a hard no from everyone mm. else. So everyone, the, the the vibe wasn't like, yeah, change. Mm. It was like, what? All right, well, what are we doing for lunch? You know, like that was mm. the vibe at the voting center. Also, mm. no barbecue at our one. No barbecue, dude. Democracy is a savory activity. They had cookies. Yeah, you were all over the cookies, but no, no, I looked at them and bought water. Oh, you did buy water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was pretty. Wasn't that great in the end? Yeah, no, it wasn't that great. Even like the people who were like the yes volunteers were just texting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really bizarre vibe. Yeah, they were pretty chill. They were like, everyone, I think this, I think we're all good here. Yeah, it was just, it was like that Spider Man meme where it's all the Spider Mans looking at each other. That's what it was. We were all Spider Man. 
and we all knew the Green Goblin was going to win. Yeah. I mean, this analogy is off the rails, but but yeah, dude. So that was kind of weird in the end. Didn't really enjoy it that much. No. And then I went to a barbecue later and it was six Spider-Men and then one Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was more outspoken than all of the Spider-Men. <laughs> yeah. And mate, that is the thing with no voters. They just have so much more energy. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like in the UFC when like one guy turns up and another guy just thinks, you know, he's going through the motions. He's there for a paycheck. That was the Yes campaign. And then the no vote, that fuck, they were ravenous, dude. Ravenous. I spoke to a mate of mine and he was like, oh, yeah, I voted no, Bill. He goes, mate, um, sorry, brother, I'm just not in for more taxes. And this was after the vote. Like, this was on the Sunday. And I go, there was no extra taxes. And he goes, yeah, I know that now, lol. <laughs> and it was kind of like, uh, lol indeed, my friend. Yeah. She just kept going, well... Maybe your signs will work. I'm like, why do you hate the signs so much? I didn't put a sign up. <laughs> you, and, she hated the signs. And also, your mate who hated the signs, it's like, well, they didn't work. Yeah. So, what's the issue? Yeah. <laughs> At least, even like, I feel like when ScoMo was losing to out, like, I feel like there was a bit of a game day vibe to it. Mm. As far as like, whoa, what's going to happen? Mm. Zero game day vibe on the referendum. Like, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Just... A woman just smirking across a table as we watch the results going, mm, your signs didn't work. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Dude, craziness. Dude, I spoke to another another person I know. Because, like, I don't I don't think it's like... Uh, I was blown away by people, how many people I knew were voting no. Mm. When I would ask people about it, it feels like everyone was just voting for different shit. Yeah. But we're all voting on the same referendum. Mm. I had a mate uh, who he... And he, he's a tradie and stuff, so I guess they're just smashing TikTok during the day. Because TikTok had some wild shit on there. Yeah, yeah. He was saying that um, he didn't want his rent to go up. And I said, what's that there, brother? And he said, oh, if they vote yes, like there's going to be like an extra Aboriginal tax on your rent as part of like reparations. I said, no, there's not. And he said, are you sure? And I said, I'm very sure, mate. Big time, mate. Big time. But but So, blokes are going in there to vote, going like, I'm voting against my rent raising and extra Aboriginal taxes. And it's like, brother, I would have voted against that too. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone was so schmozzled by the time they got to the voting booth. I um, I didn't know how many people in Australia cared about how advisory bodies were introduced to the con- constitution. Yeah, a lot of- um, I thought we were sportsmen and larrikins. Everyone like, well, the thing is with the constitution, I'm like, what? You don't give a fuck. A lot of legislative sticklers out there. Yeah, yeah, turns out. A lot of people really uh, connecting the dots and uh, crossing the T's on the legislation. Yeah, well, as always, I've always known you guys to be super into legislation. Dude, literally insane. Another- um, it's- Another bloke I know, and also it's you know it's chilly. You vote no. These are my f- friends and stuff. Like, um, it's all it's all it's all Steezeru, you know. But my mate goes, um, he goes, brother. I just don't think it does enough. Oh, those were the good. V- I liked those guys as well. Those guys were probably the best because yeah, they were voting no under the guise of it doesn't help Aboriginal people enough. Mm. So it's like that's and that's how shamozed everyone was. Some people were voting against an indigenous voice because they loved indigenous people too much. They're like, no, mate, when it comes around that it'll be actually more and do something, 
because I truly love Indigenous people. I love them more than the, all the yes voters. So that's why I'm voting no. Dude, I honestly voted yes. And I wonder how I would have voted if I could have loved Indigenous blokes as much as that bloke. Exactly. It got out of control. Yeah. I think it's sure. fair to say it got out of control. I think that's fair to say, yeah. <laughs> I think that's very... F- from the points I was getting given, mate, classic... Someone makes an enormous... I didn't know her. Made an enormous spread of dips and crackers and cheese. And I was like, wow, what a beautiful person. I love this new person in the group. The person from the country. Yeah. Dude, and then she real. just starts derailing us about the um, voting no and how that we shouldn't have voted yes. I was like, ah, well, there we go. It balances out, doesn't it? Incredibly mm. hospitable. Would you trade a... How good was the cheese platter? Was there part of you thinking, fuck, this cheese platter is almost worth... The voting no tirade. Because I've had some pretty good cheese platters in my time. She, she was pulling down yes signs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going, okay, yeah, well, all right, um, true. Well, um, I might just duck inside, watch the television as an indigenous man says he's really disappointed in the country, but not angry, just sad, just quite sad. But, um, okay, I just go to get more ice from my Aperol spritz and be like, oh, oh, okay. Yep, that's incredibly depressing. I'll just come back out here to um the woman that's smirking. <laughs> Dude, unbelievable, eh? But that was the wild thing out there. Because like I was saying last week on the pod, mate, I didn't even know about the no campaign. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I can't, I can't point fingers at anyone. I didn't know what was going on out there until about three weeks ago. And then when I fucking got in there. Dude, it was a wild time because the like you'd say to someone, you'd be discussing it, and s- someone from the no who's voting no would just be like, uh, they do say say something crazy like, it's not going to do anything or like, they're going to take our private property. That was one. Of, that was another one I saw. The, the chick from Neighbours was going on about that one as well. <laughs> like, they're going to take your private property. And then, so like, if you were trying to convince them to vote yes, now you're like, wait, what? Are they? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm Google. I'm in the bathroom of the Clavelli Hotel Googling, are they going to take our private property? Because I'm so blindsided by this cunt at the pub. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it got so out of hand. Yes, very much so. And we were activated, mate. And it didn't really... Yeah, now I'm just activated for life, mate. You've activated us. Yep. Downloaded the ABC News app. Guess I'm just going to know what goes on now. 100%, dude. Yeah, it's, it's quite shit, actually. <laughs> Empathy is a burden. But, mate, all right, whipping past, and we went to the Palestine rally uh, on the Sunday. Nothing to really report there. Nothing to really report there. Shamelessly, we were hoping for a bit of a kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> chill, chill, chill. Yeah. Um, I will say, so we rolled in just to sort of, it was a beautiful day, and yeah. we were walking to the pub anyway to watch the Tim Zoo fight. So we were like, oh, we'll whip past. Um, Heaven forbid I see a flare. Heaven forbid I see a flare. Heaven forbid someone gives me a flare. Yeah. But um, I will say, shout out New South Wales yeah. Police Force. I don't know what the, the tactics are traditionally with these sorts of things. Um, but someone's made the call that for every Palestinian person that rolled up <laughs> to peacefully protest, they assigned 18 New South Wales police officers. I've never seen so many police in no, my life. No, never. It was unbelievable. It was crazy, dude. And like, look, you know, fair play. Like, I don't know, if you wanted to make sure nothing happened, mm. assigning 5,000 police officers. Maybe they knew that Billy Darcy, a Sydney FC soldier, was yeah. um, on his way there as well. Uh, maybe they heard about my days in the Harbour City Service. <laughs> the Harbour City Service. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to anyone involved in a football firm from the A-League. <laughs> One of the more... Hu- 
horrific things you can be involved in. <laughs> Me and Billy are thinking about joining next year. It's going to be exciting. I will die for Tim Cahill. Yeah, dude. Here's the thing is I've wanted to throw a flare at a bloke from Melbourne for years anyway. <laughs> so, I just do it under the guise of I hate Victory or the other one. We hate Adelaide Raw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we hate Adelaide Raw so much. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right, mate. What else, what else is on the agenda? Oh, this is something that we have to talk about. Is this about you and your abusive relationship? No. No. What, 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 what are we talking about? We can talk about it if you want. I prefer not to. Yeah. We're already half an hour in, I feel like. Mate, we definitely got to talk about the way Billy Darcy's getting clipped up right now. I'm getting treated poorly out there. Okay. <laughs> a woman went on one date with Billy Darcy and has absolutely been messing with his mind. I am getting mugged <laughs> senseless right now. And at the same time, I'm also getting quite mugged. <laughs> yeah, but your mugging makes more sense to me. Yeah, obviously it makes more sense to you. But, mate, when someone cancels, because this is the problem with... Instagram and messages via Instagram. Someone will just be like, I'm feeling too flat. Let's do this another time. I really want to rest. And then you just see her on a boat and you're like, fuck. That's tough. <laughs> don't seem to... Also, whose boat is this? Who's the guy with the boat? <laughs> I don't have a boat. I think she knows you don't have a boat She's as well. She's very aware that I don't have a boat. Yeah, okay. I'm going to suspend my story until next week. Okay. Because I'm holding out hope. Mate, I'm still I'm still very much in the chase. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that but makes complete sense. I will say that where I'm at is that the chase I'm I'm chasing I'm chasing, and what's ahead of me is not love. It's actually sort of the end of what I would describe <laughs> as self-respect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're definitely <laughs> yeah, coming to yeah. a head. Yeah, this will be discussed next week. Mm-hmm. But I've got about th- maybe 36 hours left. But w- what if her Instagram gets? If she deactivates her Instagram for a week again. Rowan, she logged out. <laughs> she logged out. She logged out. All all, all young white women, they love logging out of Instagram for six days and then being like, oh my God, sorry. That's what they're all doing, right? They love deleting Instagram. Oh, okay. wait. I've never heard that before, ever. So, a lot of people don't know this about white chicks in their 20s who live in the eastern suburbs especially. They have unbelievable control with social media. Unbelievable. And then have two cocktails on a Friday night. Guess who's activated again and is messaging Billy Darcy. A lot of people are getting activated in this city (laughs) for different reasons. Okay. Some people are getting politically activated. Some people obviously don't have feelings for me, but maybe want to chuck me one on the weekend. (laughs) And then when it comes to getting a drink with me on the Wednesday, maybe we've locked out again. Okay. (laughs) But there's a lot going on in Sydney right now, guys. I went to sleep on Wednesday. It was like, I'm going for a drink with a woman tomorrow. Before I'd even woke up on Thursday, boom, cancelled. I'm like, all right, there we go. (laughs) That ship has sailed. It's okay. Yeah. And dude, I want to be more... Yeah, it's tough. It's tough out there is what I'm saying. Because I I want to be more like, all right, keep it moving. I'm not wasting time with Mm. getting mugged off by people and this sort of stuff. Mm. You know, you got about seven minutes to fall in love with me and vice versa. (laughs) Otherwise, let's keep it moving. And that is all fantastic on paper. Mm. Okay? That's like the drill sergeant telling you to fucking, you know, keep your rifle clean. Mm. The reality is when there's shells going off around you, <laughs> it can be very easy to lo- lose focus of the lessons you've learned. So I'm pretty much have it just being sort of pushed around 
by a woman from Bellevue Hill at the moment. <laughs> and she has all the cards and I think she knows it. <laughs> and I know that she knows that I know it. Mm-hmm. There's a power dynamic at play. I'm on the wrong end of it. Mm. And I'm about to probably just... Well, nothing. I'll probably just get mugged off. <laughs> and that'll be that. Yeah. I think there's a very slim chance that either of us will see either of these women from the eastern, eastern suburbs. Put it this way. I think Sportsbet has got... Me, I've got the same chances as Kamara Usman against Hamzat Chamayev this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. I know it. Hamzat Chamayev knows it. <laughs> and let's get out of this analogy. But something else came to light, mate, on the weekend that I actually thought... Because I know a lot of your yarns, mate, but I guess I don't know a lot of them. And this is actually something... <laughs> Did you, I think it happened last week and then you were like, this has happened eight times before. Oh, I think Marky brought it up. Marky brought it up. Yeah. So, dude, what about this? Rowan has lost, I think you said you've lost eight fuel caps. Yeah, mate. I love losing them. I don't even know how you lose them. So, the fuel caps from your car. Yeah, yeah. You've lost eight of them. Uh, Maybe six. I've lost three of Eddie's. So, that's telling. So I've I've borrowed Eddie's van a few times in my life. But twice I borrowed it and gave it back without a fuel cap, without even knowing, because I live in a fuel capless world. Um, Can the car even run without a full fuel cap? Doesn't it need like the pressure? Listeners, call in. I'm currently running without a fuel cap or one of those things that slides. You know the thing that pops out when you. Oh yeah, the door. The the mini little fuel door. I don't have a fuel door or a fuel cap. You're ripe for the siphoning, brother. Mate, I'm absolutely ripe. Mate, if the Northcott Terrace get wind of this, you will not be going to work anytime here's a, soon. Here's the brilliant thing about my mind, is that I only ever really have $25 worth of fuel in there. Mm, so minimize. Take what you want. But um, yeah, I had to rip the, fu- the little fuel door off when it got jammed one day. And I was running with a fuel cap for a good chunk of this year, but about two weeks ago, I lost another one. So, when you're losing these fuel caps, I'd like it on the record, I've never lost one. Mm. When you're losing these fuel caps, are you driving off with them on top of the roof? Um, on that little kind of like bench thing next to the next to the bowsers, I'll often put it there. Okay. Or, yes, on the roof as well. Um, mate, sometimes I just have no idea. I don't. Sometimes I don't even know where I lost it. <laughs> Sometimes it, I, I could have lost it at a one night stand, mate. It, so it could be in a woman's bed somewhere. When you leave the house, you go, right, keys, wallet, fuel cap. Sometimes I think it's there and then I go to fill up petrol and I go, what's happened? Really? What's happened to the fuel cap? Does it affect the performance of your automobile? I've never looked into it. So, um, probably not. So, also, very well could do. But- when I'm at a petrol station, I get very introspective. Also, I feel like more than anyone, you are so uh, vulnerable to the treats at service stations. <laughs> yeah. I, I did have a Kit Kat this afternoon from a service station. I did have a double 7-Eleven coffee and I did have a small pie. And that's just today. <laughs> like, mate, you you get done by servos more than anyone mate, I've ever they're met. They're my kryptonite. I love a servo. Um, this morning, I treated myself to a to a double shot flat white from Ampole and a stolen bacon egg wrap. Um, Mate, also, you're absolutely running the table on these servos. <laughs> so, last, so, uh, <laughs> last Thursday when I was 
a bit hungover and scat. I just pulled into the ampole and there was an enormous line and I just walked in and grabbed a Japanese canned coffee and a pie and didn't even bother like pretending that I wasn't stealing it and then just walked directly out the door. I was like, I'm sorry, there's no time for fucking subtleness today. (laughs) That ship has sailed. Mate, I can't condone this behavior, but at the same time, uh, I can see how this would get out of hand. Mate, you just get back in the car and you think, yeah, fuck you, oil industry. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like if you wanted to justify it, you'd find a way. Also, it's not good behavior. It's not good behavior. No. But at the same time, it's out of control. Yeah. And we're talking we're talking about what's happened in the past, not what's happening in the future. Yeah. But in a very real way, I really won't stop. I know. Um, That's why I'm, I'm not bothered about this at all. Yeah. I can I can feel it. I can feel it in your voice that you won't be stopping anytime soon. Mate, the fuel cap thing, though, like, is there some way we could address it? Um, yeah, well, maybe I could I could attach one to my car. Um, I just always think I'll do better. I'm a very distractible man. Mm. Um, so, I'll just, I'll just lose things. And that's just the way of the world, mate. Yeah. Well, at least you're very stoic about it. <laughs> yeah, I actually think... I'm starting to think that my stoicism might actually be my downfall recently. <laughs> yeah. You use stoicism as, like, justification of your poor behavior. Yeah. Like, real stoicism is when something you can't control happens and then stoicism is how you react to that. Whereas, like, you will, you will just be extremely careless and reckless or downright breaking the law in the case of the stealing. And you're like, well, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. As you're like quoting Marcus Aurelius as you're walking out of a BP, just pockets lined with baked goods and coffees. I'm afraid I simply don't have time for this, guys. You're like, it is, it is, I cannot concern myself with what the attendant thinks of me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I am Seneca. Mate, so beautiful. We've got to get Ryan Holiday on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> I think even he would, he, he's like, I've been through every text. I can't fault it. <laughs> Stoicism is about kind of stealing from cotton on. And then when the 17 year old tells you that you shouldn't be doing that, you saying, I don't care and walking out right. That's Stoicism. Yeah, yeah, that it is. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, my God. Stoicism is being ready to cause a scene for your own privilege. Stoicism is giving the attendant a look that says, I'm willing to really kick off right now. <laughs> and it, it is also 6.30 in the morning. So, if you're ready to fucking go as nuts as I am, then let's have it. <laughs> Look in my face. I woke up two hours ago and my eye is infected. So, let's fucking go. <laughs> and my eye is infected pretty much half the time. <laughs> Fuck you, Nell. All right, mate. Well, you've got to get a fuel cap and try to yeah, stop stealing. Yeah. But I'm, at the same time, I know you're not. I'm so. gonna, I'm gonna get a fuel cap again. It's so funny when people like try and like tell me they're like, oh, mate, they'll drive past being like, you, you left your fuel cap and you just go, brother, I was born in the darkness. Yeah, you're like, mate, I lost <laughs> that thing in Newcastle, mate. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We're going through Aladulla, so that is tough, mate. That is tough. What are you gonna do? What can you do, really? Nothing. But be, be yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At all costs, be yourself. Never read a full email. Never, ever reflect. <laughs> <laughs> reflect sometimes, but not about the things you should be reflecting about. 
Mate, here's the real winner's mentality. When things go in your way, reflect and think, fuck yeah, I'm the man. <laughs> when things aren't going your way, shut it down. No self-awareness whatsoever. <laughs> head down, head down, head wait, down. Wait for things to turn around. None of this is your fault. Okay? This universe is chaos. It is yeah. chaos out there. Barely anyone has a fuel cap. I read that most tech entrepreneurs don't use fuel caps. Dude, this guy's stealing a sausage roll from Ampol every morning. Jeff Bezos is a criminal. Yeah. Okay? So you tell me. Yeah. It's so easy to justify that stuff now with like big business and stuff. Yeah. You read like one Woolies article, you're like, see? See? <laughs> I just want to turn around. To, I, I literally would just turn around and be like, ah, I make 52K a year. Fuck off. Yeah. Jesus. I have no time. I have no time. <laughs> I truly have no time. In a world where you, you don't even have to make contact with your car. <laughs> yeah. You'd wave, wave it past as you're walking past. I just don't have the time. <laughs> Honestly, I'm cash, ri- cash rich. I couldn't be richer. <laughs> I've got the cash for the sausage roll. I just don't have the time. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right, should we wrap it up? Yeah, mate. Look, that's a few laughs in there today, mate. Yeah, I had a good time. Anyway, mate. All right, well, catch you next time. Yep. See you in the kitchen. You.